Binge the full week of The Ray Taylor Show ad-free over at InspiredDisorder.com slash plus. This is The Ray Welcome to the Poker Face Recap Podcast, where every week I dive into the world of the hit Peacock TV series, Poker Face. I'm your host, Ray Taylor, and I'm excited to break down each episode on this character-driven murder mystery series. No bullshit. So sit back, relax, crack open your favorite tall can of beer, and let's get started. Let's get started on this wild ride with Charlie Kale as she solves murders across the United States. The episode I'm going to be talking about is episode four, season one, Rest in Metal. This was, as all of the previous episodes, aired originally on January 26, 2023. This is directed by Tiffany Johnson, written by Ryan Johnson, Wyatt Kane, and Christine Boylan, and the guest stars Chloe Zivani, uh, Chris Nicholas Crillo, Cirillo, I'm sorry, Chuck Cooper, and John Darnelli, or Darnell, uh, Darnell. Pronounce that as best I can, I guess. Uh, this episode, we are there's a one hit wonder band from the one hit wonder from the '90s. This band, this metal band called Staplehead, right? They're trying to resurrect their career. In many ways, they're going on this tour. They're going to be opening for a band called Krampus. And they're going on a little tour to just kind of get warmed up before they headline. for Or not headline, before they open, I should say, uh, for this other band. And uh, hopefully trying to somehow come up with a new hit, right? They're this one-hit wonder from the 90s, kind of trapped in that, that kind of cage and uh, Charlie goes along for the ride as their merch girl. And we also see in this episode a familiar face that we haven't seen since, uh, I guess, since episode two. It was the last time we saw Cliff. Uh, and uh, Cliff shows that he is himself a fan of TikTok. Uh, so let's get started in this episode. We start off in a Home Depot type of a hardware warehouse store where Ruby is working. Chloe's Vani, who is the lead singer of this band, Staplehead, uh, but she is working as her day job at a Home Depot type of a store. Uh, while out on her smoke break, one of the people who works in receiving hears her song on the radio and you know points it out to her, which she is completely... Uh, hates to have that one thing be everything that she is, that is her entire identity, is this one song that sh that was popular 20 years ago. And uh, she's uh, trying to find a new drummer, put an ad out on Craigslist. They're going to be going on tour. This guy Gavin shows up, right? This young kid saw this ad. Huge Staplehead fan from back in the day. Or huge uh, Docs, uh, Doxology fan. That's the name of the band. The hit song is Staplehead, but he's a huge Doxology fan from back in the day. Grew up listening to them and super stoked to be their drummer. He is super high energy. Meanwhile, everybody else in the band is in their 40s, is kind of... Kind of uh, in a rough spot. You know, they're not really riding high despite having uh, having the uh, 
kind of one hit that they had. So they're going on a three-week tour to tighten up, you know, obviously get this drummer situated. And they also have the hopes to hopefully write a new song before they open up for Krampus. Right. And uh, the the age difference, the energy difference, the stoke difference between Gavin and the rest of the band is very much night and day uh, where, you know, they're they're trying to get sleep and he's he wants to party. Uh, but he is stoked to be the drummer for this band and cut to them on a tour bus. They have their bus driver. They're playing, going over songs trying to write songs right and their fans only want to hear Staplehead which is haunts them that this is the only song that anybody ever wants to hear from them they don't want to hear any of their other songs obviously probably not a big fan of anything new they might be bringing to the table um find out that the bassist just moved back with his mom and he just got his AARP card you have this guitarist who's just getting a divorce right they're not in the happiest place ruby is working at a home depot you know meanwhile you have the drummer at the back of the bus laying on the bed watching some tv show just busting up laughing enjoying his life while these three aged out hit one hit wonders are struggling to somehow come up with a song to or to resurrect this career to get them something to go back on top and and open one day or have Krampus open for them one day right and the you have Gavin in the back just busting up watching some sitcom named Benson and they have their first show guitarist complaining about the specific height of the mic stand because he's got the sciatic issue back issue you know he's, he's been doing this a long time he needs a very specific height for the mic Right back on the bus, you hear them trying to work out a song called Merch Girl. Bus driver's not paying attention. They're trying to ask, you know, for how if he likes it. He's like, ah, I'm listening to my audio books. Meanwhile, drummer comes up and he's like, Why don't you guys just write another song like Staplehead? Which, of course, you know, Ruby's like, what do you think I've been trying to do for the last two decades, right? Nothing she's ever written has given her that same feeling that when she first heard Staplehead, this like knew instantly once she heard it, that it was going to be a smash hit, right? Never had that feeling. And they've tried to write a song like that. Never happened. And they didn't write the song. The song was written by their old drummer, who is now selling like yoga, whatever, somewhere, right? Th they get all the royalties and they've never been able to do it. It's like they've been cursed, right? They say they've been cursed, right? Because they, they, despite having this one hit, they don't even get to, they get their whole identity to everybody else is this one hit song that they didn't write and don't get any money for, don't get any of the residuals for, Right. So, of course, they're they're desperate to get a song. And if it was just that easy to write a hit song, then wouldn't everybody just be writing a hit song? So they have, they add a new gig, playing the merch girl song. It flops. You got one person at the bar. I mean, it's like this empty bar they're playing at. 
And this one person down at the other end of the bar is like, oh, are you the you're the Staplehead band. Why don't you play Staplehead? Right. And the drummer's stoked. Right. Ruby's like, no, fuck you. We're not playing that song. But the drummer just instantly goes into it. He's stoked. He's got the young kid energy. He loves the song, too. He doesn't have the the curse. He hasn't been cursed with this the reality of this song hanging over him for two decades for longer than he's probably been alive right so they're singing the song and there's this moment in the song where ruby screams and the drummer kind of steps on this moment for her screaming into his mic into his into his amp that's got the crackly like crackly vocals it's just so good man and she gets pissed off she's like never never step on my solo that is my scream right you need to know your place drummer kid right and while playing this song the drummer the dude at the bar picks up a stapler throws it at the drummer's head drummer gets stapled to his head he's bleeding but he doesn't care he's rock and roll he doesn't give a shit right and then he takes the signature scream and she tells him don't ever do that again right and then you find out that this Krampus band, they're super popular online, social media. They have this social media thing they do that's kind of like this jackass thing where they scare fans. They jump out of dumpsters or porta potties and scare people, get their reaction on camera and post it up online. That's how they build their kind of an audience, right? And they're looking at it. The doxology guys are looking at it like, look at this. We should probably be doing this kind of stuff, right? Meanwhile, the guitarist putting the bloody stapler up on ebay he's like listen we need to make money this is community stuff i i can sell whatever i want so he's putting this stuff up there and uh ruby decides to invite the drummer to hang out with them as they're at another motel between gigs on their trip to the next gig or whatever uh and the drummer's stoked he brings in a giant bottle of jack and they're all turning it down like oh i gotta get up early oh it gives me acid reflux oh ruby's been sober for 10 years and of course it's like yeah you have these aged 40 year listen i'm i stopped drinking this year i can't i i can't drink like i used to it's not the same i i understand i feel their pain i may not have had a one-hit wonder 20 years ago that i didn't financially recoup any any kind of financial windfall from right i don't know what that's like but i definitely know what it's like to not be able to party like i used to be in my 20s and the drummer just wants to rage but he's also understanding it's like oh sorry i just got all this energy he's he's kind of self-aware of his abundance of energy in compared to their lack of (laughs) desire to exist at all and uh ruby apologizes for giving him shit right she apologizes, and he kind of apologizes too right it's like i understand i'm sorry right but uh he wants to show them this song he wrote so he hits play on the the music that he made for it and then as he starts singing it as the audience we don't hear the words of this song it's just like cuts to like this slow-mo of him singing it in this ominous sound and going showing the reactions of all the band members and clearly this song it's just like history repeating itself oh my god this drummer this new drummer this guy that's got all this energy that 
just recommends we just write another hit wrote a hit and they're all have the reaction like not again not another drummer writing another clear and present hit that we are now witnessing and going to have to deal with this reality again in our lives how many times how much of our life will be spent living in the shadows of these drummers that come in and and give these one-off brilliant songs that we have to then spend the rest of our lives performing despite not receiving any kind of monetary benefit for all of these things kind of expressed in this this like just ominous sounding slow motion shot where they're going to each all of these things being communicated in the faces of these band members right and then you know just the curse repeating itself right after he leaves they're all like they agree it's like oh that's another hit clearly and they're all worried because it's just going to be another staple head right they're not going to get any of the, in the any of the royalties cut to them modifying this dude's amp cut to them firing their bus driver slash tour manager right roadie bus driver does all of the things for them ruby firing him and then you see pre-show ruby going to gavin and telling him listen sorry why don't you take that scream during staplehead tonight right and before that you know one of the band members i think the bassist had had a bag from hot topic right they kind of are all wearing these leather suits these new kind of an outfit and during Staplehead, when they inevitably sing it, Gavin goes to do the scream, and you see Ruby step on some button, right? Kind of where pedals might be. This button that's on the stage, and in that moment, you see Gavin get electrocuted, right? So clearly, they set this up. They're like, we are got to get rid of this. This is not going to be repeating itself. We are going to remove this drummer we're going to take this song, right, which cut to, you see the band rewriting the song, rewriting Gavin's song, all signing it at the bottom, and then taking the paper that Gavin wrote the song on and lighting it on fire, right? So they're like, this ends today. That We are taking this song, and we are taking your life, Gavin. Rest in metal, buddy, right? And as everybody, every episode of this show does... The first part of the episode is the events that lead up to a death, a murder, a tragic end to somebody's life. And this episode is no different. We have yet to see Charlie, how Charlie Kale fits into this band and their their murder of a young up-and-coming drummer. Cut to our fearless leader, Charlie Kale. Right. She is hanging outside of that Home Depot that Ruby works at. She is hanging out with the day laborers. Of course, she is not chosen as a contractor comes up and picks the people he wants to help him with his job. But while Charlie Kale is just chilling out there, Ruby comes up and says somebody recommended her to him that she's looking for work. She's like, yeah, like, why don't you come be our merch girl? Can you count? Do you have a, a, a transportation of your own she's like yeah i can, I can, I can count i got a car 
yeah, we could do it. She's like, it's not going to be good money, but you know, if you want to go, go on this trip with us, whatever. So Charlie's like, all right, let's do this rock and roll. This is going to be cool. Right. And, uh, she asks, or she realizes that Ruby, Hey, it's like, Oh, you're the, you're the, you're the chick, the band that does Staplehead. And of course, asks her to sing a bit of it. And, and Ruby's like, no, I'm not, this is not happening. It's like, not you two. We're not going to do this. Right. Cut to her noticing Ch Charlie while she's working at the merch table, noticing that uh, the guitarist complaining about his mic stand. Right. Cut to the gig where the stapler gets thrown at the drummer's head. Then cut to her giving the drummer some first aid with her, her tried and true super glue that she learned from Marge, uh, the truck driver from episodes ago from the second episode she is applying that same first aid to gavin's forehead to the laceration he received from the stapler that was thrown right super glue making a, a return let's take a quick break from this episode to talk about attention, attention. All, all ray, ray taylor, taylor show, show fans, fans. We're excited to announce we've just released a line of exclusive merchandise featuring original artwork inspired by the show. Our high-quality shirts and biodegradable phone cases are a perfect way to show your support for the show and make a great gift for any fan. Plus, with each purchase, you'll be helping us continue to bring you great content. So don't wait. Head on over to InspireDisorder.com now and check out the full collection. Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll show your support by grabbing some Ray Taylor Show merchandise today. And now, let's get back to the show. And then you see Charlie starting to think Ruby is a dick, right? She's starting to realize just how everything's going as she's been on this tour, uh, seeing how she treats Gavin and all this stuff, yelling at him and all this stuff. Um, and Gavin asks if he can ride with Charlie to the next gig, right? Because he's clearly after that thing where he took the, he took the scream from Ruby and got reprimanded. It's like, maybe I should just give them some space. Can I ride with you? And Charlie's like, of course, right? And Gavin right records while on his little trip with uh in in charlie's car to the next gig he shows her his gopro that he uses to film his feet he wants to watch his footwork on the previous show to try and improve i don't know how legitimate that is obviously surprise that's going to come into play later it's going to be very needed that there is a camera just happen to be pointed at the floor of a stage that maybe a lead singer may have stepped on a button causing a certain tragic event to happen to Gavin. So kind of convenient that this drummer mounts a GoPro to the bottom of his stool to shoot his feet because that is the only thing the drummer would want to review tape of later kind of ridiculous but obviously i guess needed so it's like you're i don't know there's some of these episodes and i'm not saying this is the the worst necessarily or the most egregious type of convenient writing in order to there for there to be some kind of clue later on but considering we went from a story where a guy used cinnamon dental floss to lock a trailer door from the outside 
like the the level of intelligence in the complexity of the writing seems to have gone down at least a little bit for this episode but this is more about the band in this episode than it really is charlie investigating and coming up with clues as we'll see but anyway gavin shows uh charlie that he's got this gopro video of his feet uh and supposedly he's Juilliard trained. She's like, when did you, where'd you learn to play? And he's like, oh, Juilliard, right? So, and it had been mentioned earlier from Ruby that he was Juilliard trained. And it's like, maybe he is, I guess. I don't know. Uh, is something he says or something he actually is. Uh, and then they kind of talk about Charlie living in her car as he kind of treats it like a garbage can. Uh, she's like, come on, respect. This is my home, man. Just don't just throw your garbage, right? Then he decides to take a Polaroid of himself and her, which, of course, Charlie, somebody who wants to remain invisible to the greater population of the world. Maybe not somebody that wants to be in a selfie. Thankfully, it wasn't like on a cell phone. It's not a picture that is going to be posted online. It was taken with a little mini Polaroid camera. And uh, when she tells Gavin that, Gavin just throws it out the window, littering again, pointed out again by charlie that this guy is just kind of just throwing his trash wherever and uh you know he's like clearly high energy clearly kind of manic right inspired by everything he's like yeah you just kind of feel it man he's like always moving always talking super high energy uh pretty exhausting i would say uh and then later charlie tries to talk to ruby about gavin and uh, kind of letting her know how it's like this whole dynamic in the band, how she thought it would be fun going on tour with the band. It's going to be fun, going to be partying. And it's just like it's just like high school bullshit. So it's, it's Charlie telling Ruby that's like, listen, this is this is kind of shitty. You treat this guy like shit. You're acting like this is some kind of high school thing cut to the show where gavin is super stoked because ruby went and talked to him right and gavin's like oh you went and talked to ruby thank you so much charlie right she's gonna let me do the scream right so maybe her in some ways at least that's what it seems clearly they want him to do the scream for other reasons right and then after the event you see the cops bagging up the the evidence that is the amp and uh, like, like we're going to remove this for insurance purposes. It's a short happen. Everybody who's on stage is lucky they could have gotten electrocuted, right? Because the amp wasn't grounded. And, uh, you know, they're lucky. They're lucky. But, of course, they were all wearing giant platform boots that were probably part of the purchase at Hot Topic. And they decide, we got to record, before we get to do this show with Krampus, we need to go lay down a demo of this new song, right? They've already written it. They have their signatures on it. They got rid of the original, so they need to go to this thing. And they go to, the, like, this WeWork kind of shared workplace thing, and they use a recording studio that is meant for, you know, you could use it for podcasts or whatever, and they decide to record their song in this room, which is interesting. It makes sense that a place like that exists. It's pretty cool to have places that's like a shared space where you can go in and you can use equipment so you don't necessarily have to own 
high-end equipment to do basic things like a podcast or even something like that where you want to record a demo, still getting nice quality microphones, still good enough to record something. And while Charlie is waiting for the band to record, which Charlie is kind of enjoying the song, she's like, oh, this is actually pretty good. She meets a woman who's waiting to use that room who does a podcast. And of course, like the majority of podcasts that are exist in pop culture, it is a true crime podcast where she solves murders, but of course is fitting for this show because Charlie can sympathize uh, being somebody who also solves murders. She's like, ah, it's a great job if you can get it, right? So a little bond between her and the murder girl for the murder girl podcast. Uh, and, uh, you know, Charlie has the song stuck in her head, this new song. It's great after they leave, right? She can't stop singing it stuck in her head. It's a little earworm and they get to the Krampus show outside the venue and there's a crowd kind of forming as people are getting ready to go in or whatever, waiting in line. Somebody throws a shamrock shake on her windshield and she's like, what the fuck? So she goes outside to go clean it up, to yell at whoever did it. And she gets approached by this older guy wearing a polo shirt, right? And uh, pleated khakis asking her for Molly, right? She's like, oh, get out of here, narc. You're just, you're just this dad trying to be covert acting, asking for drugs. Like, get out of here, dude. Um, and then she tells the narc to move along. Then she goes to clean up the mess that Gavin left in her car. And uh, while she's cleaning up the mess, all the discarded wrappers and all of the things that were covering her floor, uh, she starts noticing what's written on the wrappers. She starts putting two and two together. She's cut to her dumping out all the trash she just collected onto her bed and singing the song that's stuck in her head, this new song that somehow the band came up with, right, and laid it down. She's like, oh, this is weird. It's like, wait a minute. All these lyrics are from all these rappers that Gavin had. So she realizes that Gavin was the one that wrote the lyrics to this song. It's like, this isn't their song, right? So then she confronts Ruby about it. Ruby tells her the truth. She's like, yeah, okay, he wrote it, but he's gone. So it's like, we got to, this is, we got to make a good thing out of this bad event, right? At least, you know, let us record this thing. We need a hit, right? He's no longer with us. It's a tragic thing, but let's make something good out of something bad, right? So at this point, Charlie just thinks that they are assholes for stealing a song. They're not really suspecting him them of killing him but you know she soon will um and ruby kind of inadvertently lays out the many things that lead gavin to being electrocuted it's like what do you think what do you think like we uh we like made sure he had an amp that would electrocute and we just happened to like fire our bus driver our our roadie guy like and then like it's just like a bunch of accidental things happen to happen that aligned into this tragic tragic event really kind of just laying out the road work for charlie kind of another aspect of this episode making the investigation aspect less like 
the the amount that Charlie utilizes her special ability of calling bullshit very minimalized her kind of following the clues very minimalized like everything is kind of laid out for her in a way which makes this move this episode way more just about this band and what they did far more than it is about charlie using her abilities to uncover the truth which has been the fun aspect of the show in previous seasons to see how she uses and catches people telling her lies in order to find out why they told those lies in order to to you know track down the clues and track down the evidence she needs right this episode making a little bit less of uh that happening right and even like with ruby laying out those things i you know how would i know if letting him do the scream and all these things right Later, outside the, the venue, Charlie's walking into the venue and uh, she's passing by porta potties. The Krampus character busts out of the porta potty and she just punches him right in the face, knocking him back into the thing. Everybody else is like, Yeah, it's amazing. Good job, Charlie. Whatever. Right? And she sees the old bus driver who got a job working for Krampus because it's a small world. You get fired right here. You can go work for somebody else, right? So he's working, doing security, it seems, for Krampus. And she's, like, asking him. She's, like, talking to him, right? Finds out that he was he didn't quit, like Ruby said. He was fired. And she's like, oh, I knew she had lied somewhere in there, but I couldn't really place it which lie it was. So now she, okay, she was fired. So it's like, okay, that's interesting that that, that isn't so coincidental of an event. Then she finds out through this guy that uh, Gavin's amp was properly converted to be grounded. And he goes to show her a picture as an example of an amp like his that would have been converted properly to be grounded to make it safe. He's like, I wouldn't have let that amp on this tour if it wasn't properly grounded so now she's like starting to put these pieces together and it's all just not really her uncovering it it's just this deuteronomy guy telling her everything and then happens to just happens to pull up a picture of the amp from an ebay site that happens to be the exact amp that gavin used because she notices the blood splatter on it from when he got hit with the the uh stapler and then, of course, it's the exact same account, eBay account, for the guitarist who's selling the stapler as well. So just so happens that Deuteronomy, in an effort to show her a picture of what a converted amp looks like, pulls up the exact account that is not only selling the amp, but also selling the stapler, right? So now she thinks it's the guitarist. The guitarist is what she what did it. So cut to Charlie sneaking into the bus as the guitarist is practicing a song. He's got headphones on, so he can't hear as she comes in. He's not looking as she's like crawling along the floor of the tour bus, right? So he can't hear her, can't see her. She goes to the back where she finds the amp, and she sees that the pl plug has the grounded plug, the, th the third prong of the amp. And she also sees the stapler, right? Evidence that, oh, it is the guitarist's uh, account, right? And then Charlie goes to confront Ruby. She's like, listen, your guitarist is responsible for this thing. So she gets to Ruby in the green room, tells her, right, 
everything she heard, even the lyrics of the song the guitarist was singing were in reference to somehow talking about confessing to killing somebody on stage, right? So an overwhelming uh, amount of circumstantial evidence, right? Singing this song where he's like confessing about killing somebody, electrocuting somebody. Meanwhile, he's also selling the amp that how he got the amp away from the police, who knows? Also selling the stapler, right? Uh, and she mentions that she saw the amp on eBay, right? And Ruby goes off. She goes back to the, the bus where the, the guitars and the basses are, and she goes off on the bandmates, right, about going off on the guitars. Like, what are you selling this stuff on ebay for and why are you singing confessing to the crime in your song right she's going off on them and the other guy is kind of partially trying to become a lawyer at some point but he's like i don't think you can actually unless you're like singing it under oath i don't think it could be used against you the guitar's like oh okay right so not the most like everything is kind of just being laid out fairly easily for charlie not doing a whole lot of sleuthing in this uh in this thing but charlie goes back to deuteronomy asking to borrow his glasses but he instead gives her a little magnifying glass because she wants to inspect this little polaroid picture she took of the band the night of the accident right and she's examining this picture and she's like oh we she notices that the guitarist is taller because of the mark on the thing and he's like taller than the mic she's like oh this is weird like somebody that's so concerned about their back issues and so concerned about the exact height that the microphone is set at to avoid back issues why would he be all of a sudden wearing platform shoes that would make him taller than the mic right it's very confusing to her right is take a quick break from this episode because I want to promote. Are you looking for a way to take your love of the Ray Taylor show to the next level? Look no further than Inspire Disorder Plus. As a member, you'll get access to a whole host of amazing perks, including the full week of shows, ad-free in both audio and video versions, a live painting archive, early access to the many faces, members-only discounts and deals, a podcast back catalog with over 600 episodes but that's not all as a member you'll get access to my personal blog as well as my creative writing you'll also get the chance to ask me anything you want with all of these benefits and more inspired disorder plus is a must-have for any fan of the ray taylor show so don't wait go sign up now head on over to inspireddisorder.com plus and start enjoying all of the amazing perks of the membership and now let's get back to the show and then Charlie goes to then inspect the drum kit that is set up on the stage with a rest in metal, Gavin rest in metal, scrolled on the bass drum, flowers, and there's a little memorial for Gavin. And she goes to inspect the drum kit and notices, da-da-da, Gavin's GoPro under his stool. So she gets the GoPro, she takes it out, she gets the memory card out, she goes back to the green room, somebody's got a camera, a DSLR camera sitting there. She's like, can I use this camera that is a completely different make and model and device 
to put this micro SD card somehow into a camera that probably doesn't take micro SD cards. Like the technological leap that I have to go through knowing how technology works, that her ability to play a video recorded on a GoPro is somehow the card itself is going to somehow be able to fit into this DSLR camera, which it probably won't. And the format that is the GoPro recorded the video in may not be a supported format that the camera could actually play. But of course, why would that all come into question in a movie and a show where the guy was recording his bass pedal the only thing he was recording was the bass pedal. But of course, she puts the card in the camera, plays the video, and of course the video clearly shows where the button is on the stage, clearly shows not only the guitarist wearing platform boots, but then she also noticed that Ruby was also wearing platform boots. So the camera not only existing to record the worthless dr bass drum pedal for the drummer also somehow had a view that perfectly captured the button, the guitarist feet, and Ruby's feet. Very convenient. Very, very convenient. Right. So she watches the video. She sees it's not just him. Right. That they were all wearing platform boots. They knew they she knew they lied about it. Right. That they were she knew when they said that they were lucky that they didn't get electrocuted. She knew they were lying about that. Right. So it's like these things that just kind of come up. In other episodes, she calls bullshit the moment those things happen. And now it's just in order to make everything work as a written piece for this episode. She's like, oh, I knew she was lying about that. I didn't mention it, of course, but I knew she was lying about that. Now I know why she was lying about that. It's just bringing up that she has this ability, despite the fact that it's not really being used. It's just it's kind of sad. Right. Uh, so then Ruby shows up and she's like, I know what you did. You're a hack. You're not metal. You're talc. You're talc. And uh, right. But she doesn't have enough proof as per usual in a lot of these. She doesn't quite have enough evidence to get the cops involved. Ruby calls over security. Security picks up Charlie to walk her out. Charlie convinces this security guard to let her get her stuff at the merch table. So the security guard just lets her down. He's like, get out of here and don't ever come back. Right. I'm going to trust you. So Charlie gets her stuff. And when she does, she's getting her stuff at the merch table. She overhears that same old guy asking for Molly before, asking other people. She f hears the narc, right? So then she goes outside with the narc, lays out all her evidence, telling him, like, listen, I know this isn't enough evidence for you to do anything, but do you think you could take this to your boss or whatever? And then, of course, we realize that he is not an arc, that he is just an old guy who is very bad at buying drugs. Right. And he tells her that her video from earlier of her punching Krampus in their their prank video went viral, that she is now famous. So she could probably just go online and get people to 
believe the evidence she does have, right? The power of, of uh, public, the court of public opinion. And she asks this guy, how long ago did that video get posted? And of course, oh, it was about four hours ago. And as we know from the Marge episode, not only is superglue a great way to uh, use for first aid purposes to close a wound, but also the four-hour mark is a very crucial time allotment for somebody to track you down. So as soon as she hears this video came out four hours ago, she hears a voice that we recognize from earlier on in the season, Cliff, standing behind her. And he's like, how do you want to do this, Charlie? You're going to sit in the seat or are you going in the trunk? And she turns around, runs into the venue, which Deuteronomy is working the door. So she obviously lets her in because they're buds. And he stops at least slows down Cliff, who goes in. Cut to them inside the venue. Uh, concert is going. Uh, Charlie ends up getting lifted up and crowd surfing across the room. And Cliff, just trying to bully his way in, ends up getting punched. Kind of a small fight breaks out, but Charlie is able to get free. Right? And uh, Charlie, able to escape, just barely gets away, right? Cut to doxology in a meeting at the label, super stoked, about to sign their new contract. Here we go. We got our new hit. This is going to be amazing. They're not getting charged. Like, there wasn't enough evidence, so they're not getting charged, right? They were able to make it out, right? And all of a sudden, right as they're about to sign the contract, legal steps in. Lawyer steps in for the label. He's like, what are you guys doing? Right? This is, you knew what you're, why would you do this? And he puts on this video of these kids reviewing this song. New song, Sucker Punch. Right? And these kids are like, you know, thanks for our older listeners for pointing this out. And they, they play the theme song for the TV show that Gavin was watching, Benson. And they show that the song is not the lyrics, but the song, the melody, is the same as Benson. So copyright infringement. And then the lawyer goes, and that's not all. Then he hits play on the Murder Girl podcast. And the episode of the Murder Girl podcast, she is talking about some evidence that she was given from her old pal who, you know, fellow murder solver Charlie dropped off about this evidence of this band who decided to kill their drummer in order to take the rights of the song he wrote. So not only were they infringing on the copyright, the song of benson but also the lyrics was uncovered to be stolen from their drummer as well right so in a way they get their comeuppance they don't get their they're not going to be signing a contract they're still relegated to being the same one hit wonder they always were and now also they are known for stealing 
and probably murdering somebody. Murdering their drummer. Cut to Charlie back on the road, heading somewhere, don't know where. I think they went on tour. I don't they didn't I don't think they ever said where she started. Obviously she was going Vegas or Nevada, New Mexico, Texas and after Texas went somewhere to where Charlie was or to where Ruby was working and then they went on tour seemingly through the Midwest, like Wisconsin, Ohio areas. So the kind of the north midwest kind of uh areas of the country so who knows maybe she's driving continuing east maybe going to like new york going to the east coast seemingly maybe not since cliff found her maybe she is going back west who knows we'll see where she ends up in the next episode right but uh you know overall Decent episode, painful story about a one-hit wonder kind of struggling to dig themselves out of this hole they've been pigeonholed in. This this song that they didn't even they don't get any kind of recognition, don't get money for, but are identified as and have to play everywhere they go, right? Right. <clears throat> and showing that hacks never win. Charlie, uh she can spot the posers just as easily as she can point out the bullshit, right? And the four-hour rule still holds true exactly, exactly at four hours. And even still in the episode with the uh, the night shift episode where she pulls the money out, starts her watch out of the A-team, starts the four-hour countdown. Like as soon as her watch goes past the four hours, she sees Cliff pulls up. So it is like that is if there is any kind of rule in this show that Cliff is exactly four hours away at all times, which is pretty insane. Because, uh, I mean, even if she if he was in like if he was in California, how does he get to Ohio in four hours? Even if he got a plane like to say that there is a flight that just happens to get there, even if he has a private jet. Like I, there's the logistics of him getting anywhere in the United States in four hours is kind of wild. And that those resources are being used specifically to hunt Charlie down. But it is a rule of this show that is held strong. The four hour rule. If you get popular, if you are known, if your location is known to the world, Cliff will find Charlie in four hours. You know, I'm also surprised she hasn't tried to switch cars yet. Not that I'm sure it's very easy to just get new cars. You know, cars aren't cheap and she isn't working with a ton of money. But still kind of interesting that she is still driving around in a very specific kind of a car. Um, and in this episode, her calling bullshit wasn't really as much part of the success of her uncovering. It was really... Deuteronomy just kind of telling her everything and showing her the stuff and the fact that there just happened to be a GoPro video that Gavin shoots his feet for some reason. So, you know, the not the most interesting mystery uncovered, but still a good episode. I still enjoyed it. Um, 
definitely spent more time with the band in this one. Uh, but in the next episode, episode five, is titled Time of the Monkey. Uh, this is an episode. Charlie's now working at a retirement home. Uh, she makes some friends with two rebellious old ladies uh, who may have taken matters into their own hands. Uh, so we will see how that plays out in next week's episode of Poker Face. And that's a wrap for this week's episode of the Poker Face Recap Podcast. Tune in next Tuesday, as I do every Tuesday, for another episode recap of the latest uh, installment of this show. And join the conversation by leaving a comment or a rating on your favorite podcast app or over on YouTube if you're watching this. Until then, keep your poker face on, and I'll see you next week. No bullshit. New episodes of The Ray Taylor Show come out every single day. Subscribe on YouTube and everywhere our podcasts are found. Binge the full week over at InspiredDisorder.com slash plus. Buy Ray Taylor Show merch over at InspiredDisorder.com. Have a wonderful day, everybody. Peace. Out! Today is the day where you wake up and you realize that everything that you've been dreaming about, everything that you've been wanting, every goal and wish and hope that you've ever had can become real. Dreams can come true. What you manifest in your mind, you can bring to reality.